buddy i'm well how are you good. good good to have you out here tonight appreciate you having me i appreciate you coming out oh, my and <laughs> we've had so many talks in your shop over the last couple months that I, I i had to have you on you're one of the first people you know i need to stop saying that because every single guest that i've <laughs> had on i've been like you're one of the first people i thought about having on what you um, mean one of the people in the first 10 episodes were the first people on your list wow yeah for sure <laughs> you know i haven't you know what the one thing i haven't had anybody tell me no yet which that's a good thing I, you know I, I think it's a good thing but it also means that maybe i should be asking some higher profile people to come on to my podcast yeah, too. stop with the low-hanging fruit all the time right <laughs> not that you're low <laughs> low-hanging fruit by any means um, but yeah, so you're, you know, I met you at the lacrosse shop. Uh, yep. I wandered in there. I got a new job, uh, back in March and, and I ran, and I walked into your shop and developed a little bit of a friendship with you the last few months. And, um, you've got a really interesting background with what you're doing with the lacrosse thing. So, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, so lacrosse, I feel like is a, it's an, uh, maybe an underground sport in America, I would say it's not. You know, you don't watch, you don't sit down with the family and watch lacrosse on Sundays. Yeah. Um, but I know what it is, and I've and I've seen it played here and there. I've been to one lacrosse game before. Um, so if you're, let's say, aliens come down to and invade planet Earth, they've never, they don't know what sports are, and you have to explain lacrosse to them. Where do you start? Well, I think the. Uh... You know, the original purpose of lacrosse was actually the Native Americans used it as a way to prepare their tribes for war. Interesting. So, yeah, I did like, not know that. Like way, I mean, way back in the day, um, it's actually a, a Native American sport. Um, and, and fun fact, it's actually the national sport of Canada. It is not hockey. Get out of here. It is lacrosse. Okay, well, yep. I've learned two things in the first 30 <laughs> seconds, so go. this is good. Keep rolling. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, you know, they used to have, you know, again, yesteryear, they would have... Uh, you know, fields would be, you know, miles long and, you know, one tribe will play another. And it, it was, it's literally a way for them to prepare their, their warriors for battle. Obviously the, the modern game is, is not uh, quite to that level of viciousness. Sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, and I think the, the one thing that um, is appealing for lacrosse is it really kind of takes, you know, the modern game takes a lot of, of, it steals from a lot of the different sports. If you watch soccer before, you know, there's the up and down, kind of freedom of flow of soccer um you know obviously you're playing on a, a football field so you get that openness of yep. it um the physicality and just the stick handling is a lot like hockey um the settled half field offense and defense is a lot like basketball a lot of a lot of picks being lot, set lot of screens two-man two game in lacrosse yep. but yeah it's pick and roll and um you know obviously the the big differences in lacrosse versus basketball you can go behind the cage yep. behind the goal um but it it kind of steals from a lot of sports and I think because of that um, I think you're absolutely right like lacrosse is still in America it's a niche sport you know let's call it what it is yeah. um, but I think I think it generates a lot of interest from the athletes who you know their primary sport is football they love that physicality you know what do they do in the spring um, you know one of the issues with baseball is what's the what's the average 
roster size of a baseball team in high school. You know, they have 70 kids on the football team and, you know, what the baseball roster is, what, 20, sure. give or take, yeah. maybe. So, you know, you have all these athletes playing football. What do they do in the springtime? A lot of them run track. A lot yeah, of them. Some, some will. Yep. But some want that that physicality. For sure. You know? Track's boring. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, you know, you get those, you know, minus you, those, let's say the, the baseball players number 21 through 30. Yeah. They're not going to make the team for, you know, the Rockford baseball team. What do they do in the spring then? Yep. You know, lacrosse, I think, kind of started out as, well, we might as well do this. It keeps us busy type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we see that with, you know, I can say the same thing about basketball. You know, basketball roster, you're looking at 14. You know, you're telling me at a school like Rockford, there are only 14 great athletes that want to play basketball. No, absolutely not. You know, so like, what do those other athletes do? Um, so I think a lot of people kind of found a home with lacrosse, you know, at, at the very beginning of their lacrosse career. I refer to it as an addiction. Yeah. You know, it's the, the more time you spend in it, better your skill set gets, the more success you're going to have, the more time you want to put into it. And it just kind of builds on itself. Yeah. So did you play lacrosse I growing did. up? Yep. I was actually on the first fifth and sixth grade lacrosse team in West Michigan. No kidding. So, yep. I went to school at East Grand Rapids and we actually joined. The, there wasn't enough interest for us to have a school team. Okay. So we actually joined with Forest Hills and together we, we put together the Grand Rapids lacrosse team. What year was that? Oh boy. Um, 94, 93, 94, right around there. Okay. Maybe gotcha. a little bit before then. A little while ago. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit ago. Yeah. Yep. I was born in 93, so yes. some perspective. <laughs> so I've been playing lacrosse as long as you've been alive. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So you're working at uh, the Athlete Connection. So are you the GM of that business then, technically? or Yeah. Kind I mean, of? For, for lack of a better title or yeah. term, um, I, I oversee the Grand Rapids operation. For sure. You got to be happier than a pig and shit. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice. Like, you know, well, I mean, again, lacrosse is, is such a, a niche, kind of a, a young sport. In, in the area, there are really, there are only a handful of jobs that are like full-time lacrosse. Yeah, for sure. Um, so to have one of those, you know, I, I tell my guys at Grand Valley, like we have an advantage over every other team that we play whose coaches have a real job. Yeah. You know, like I sit around and think about and talk about and deal with lacrosse. Yeah, you scheme up. I'll, stuff while exactly. you're sitting there like listening to the Dan Patrick and, show yeah, and yeah exactly you know no so if anybody in the Grand Rapids area needs uh any sort of lacrosse gear athlete connection up on Northland and Plainfield <laughs> the, the spot that's the that's where you need to go <laughs> like don't waste your time going to Dunham's or Dick's or anything <laughs> like that like you... <laughs> uh up on Northland and Plainfield um but yeah I just kind of wandered in there and I was like yeah, I, w I was looking for baseball stuff, and I saw a little sporting goods store. I was like, oh, I'll check it out. And then it was a bunch of lacrosse stuff. I'm like, <laughs> this is like a, a TikTok thing. Hello, hello. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Like, that's that was me walking in there. <laughs> but we, we headed off, and I've I've learned some things about lacrosse, and it's pretty cool. So, um, But now you're coaching at Grand Valley. Yep. Uh, how long have you been doing that for? Uh, this will be year year 11. Oh, okay. So, so you've been doing that a while. Yeah. You guys are You guys are pretty good, aren't you? We like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's for, for the level that we play at, um, you know, we're an MCLA Division II team. Uh, you know, there are no scholarships or anything like that. Yep. Um, but for our level, um, you know, we've, like I said, this is, this is my 11th year, 10 seasons, not counting last year. We've been the Final Four, I want to say, six or seven times, been in the championship game, national championship game three times, and we won it once. That's cool. So we're... You know, every year I kind of feel like there are four or five teams that are legitimate contenders to win a national championship. And, yeah. 
And every year, I honestly feel like we're one of those four or five teams. So are those MAC teams that you're going up against, or is it is it more regional based on um, yeah. this area? or what? We don't see a whole lot of MAC. So there's the MCLA is for any schools who have a who do not have a varsity gotcha. lacrosse program. Yeah, Grand Valley's not in the MAC. I, for, I forgot yeah. about that. I get that confused sometimes. Yeah, but. so like the, the, the line of delineation between Division One, and Division Two is whether or not your school has a major college football program. Gotcha. So now you can opt up or opt down. So there are... With the exception of like hockey teams, like Ferris is a D1, like Michigan Tech is D1. Like those are, I would say... Those are the exceptions to that. I would yeah, imagine. I mean, lacrosse yeah. is kind of a different animal, but yeah. but yeah, you're you're right. Like one of the one of our conference teams is actually Minnesota Duluth, who I mean, I think they won the hockey national championship like two years ago or yeah. something like that. Yep. Um, Pretty sure kids are born with ice skates on up there. The, yeah. There's no <laughs> doubt in my mind. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so if you know, like Michigan State, Central Michigan, Western Michigan, you know, the major college football programs. Um, they're Division One MCLA teams, and then not having a, a major college football program, we are Division Two. Um, so we play like St. John's in Minnesota, St. Thomas, Dayton, you know, Oakland. Um, just trying to think of other kind of known quantities. Yeah, for qualities, sure. But yeah, I mean, it's, Midwest, Northern. Yeah, part, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a it is a national, obviously a national league. Um, Florida Gulf Coast is in it. You know, College of Idaho. Okay. Um, and then at the the Division One level, you get the the you know Arizona State, UCLA, Colorado, Colorado yep. States. I mean, all the yep. essentially any big school that's not on the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they they all are competing in the MCLA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I remember uh, like a while back in the springtime, kind of being bored, not being football season, not a whole lot on, but they had like uh, lacrosse tournaments on ESPN and stuff like that with. I want to say like Georgetown, St. John's and stuff like that. So that would be like the upper echelon D1. That's D1. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. And they're, they're very good. They're yeah, very good. Duke yep. and Syracuse too, right? Yeah. And, and those are always the competitors that I see. Duke, Syracuse. Like Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Like, yeah. Denver yep. even. Um, but yeah. And, and make no mistake, like Grand Valley isn't anywhere close to that level. <laughs> like I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sitting here nuts. trying to make that claim. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're incredible. Yeah. I've just said that to provide a little bit of context because of my lack of knowledge about the sport. But, yeah. No, fair. Um. So, it, and it's funny because I actually saw your, your guys play probably five or six years ago, a buddy of mine, and I'm going to, I'm going to bury him for this, but <laughs> a buddy of mine, uh, Logan Goodrid, he played for the Saginaw team and oh, sure. at, at SVSU. Yes. He, to be fair, he was pretty honest. He was like, you know, we're playing Grand Valley at Grant, at, in Grand Rapids. We know, I know you live there. You know, you can come watch if you want. It's probably going to get kind of ugly. <laughs> And yeah, sure enough, man. I think if there are there are there mercy rules in lacrosse. Uh, there aren't. Um, okay, there so, should be when you play Saginaw because yeah. it was it was awful. It was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. I was twenty six to two. Oh, you remember that game? Yeah, <laughs> I, I can pretty much recall just about any oh, score from any season. That's awesome, yeah, Logan. Twenty six two, bro. <laughs> and you didn't even have one of those two goals. I think you. I think you were playing defense or something. So that's, that's yeah, I mean, there's, an excuse, but so for for the the non varsity teams, there are really kind of two different approaches. There are there are what I call club lacrosse teams, yep. and there are lacrosse clubs. Um, you know, the club lacrosse teams, they're kids that want to play lacrosse. They find a way, they find an avenue to keep playing lacrosse in their college years, and that's awesome. Yep. The commitment level and and all that isn't really the same as some of the what I call you know the lacrosse clubs. Yep. You know, like Grand Valley, like we have mandatory weight room sessions you know we have study tables we're you know it's 
it's it's a varsity program minus the funding sure so to speak okay so are you, are you guys busing all these games or do they fly you anywhere uh so they fl- we we typically we bus yep um the national championships for four years were out in orange county uh, oh wow Cal- yeah so the team flew there i actually drove but the team flew how'd you get dealt that hand <laughs> well i don't fly so i was okay. i was actually in a plane crash when i was younger no kidding so yeah so I'm, wow. I'm terrified of airports. Not doing it. No. So they, wow. everyone got, you know, got all their flight plans and all that kind of stuff. And I took off two days ahead of time yep, and drove, wow. drove to Denver, got a hotel room for about five or six hours, got up and drove the rest of the way the next day. Wow. So it was like 30, 34 hours in the car. Yeah. So that's it incredible. Was, it was a hike. Okay. We can't just brush over that. Are you comfortable <laughs> talking about that? Yeah, I can talk about that. So what... Uh, what the hell happened? <laughs> um, so it was uh, United Flight 232, um, and we were fl- it was a DC-10 flying from um, Denver International to Chicago O'Hare. Okay. You've told the story before. I can yeah. tell. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. This is not my first rodeo. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'll make a, a painstakingly long story as, as sure. brief as possible. Um, there was a, the DC-10 has an a engine on both of the wings, then one on the tail. Uh, there was a microscopic crack in the fan blade. Uh, on the engine that was on the tail. When the engine was run, the heat made the, the crack expand. The engine blew up. Okay. When the engine exploded, part of the shrapnel, whatever, severed all the hydraulic lines. Oh. So, like, we were in the middle of turning. Like, we couldn't, you know, the flaps, the elevators, like, nothing nothing worked. Now, did this happen on takeoff? This happened when we were cruising. Okay. So, just... Like, we were at altitude. Okay. Yep. Um, so, like, you know, we, long story short, we, it became obvious that we weren't going to make our destination. Um, and I learned all this obviously after the fact yep. I was eight years old at the time. Okay. So you're pretty naive to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently the, the plane would want to kind of like nosedive and then just the aeronautics of the plane, it would, when it started to nosedive, it would, you know, it would kind of lift back up and then nosedive again and lift oh. back up and just kind of porpoise its way yep. down. Um, so when, when we were, we could only make right hand turns cause of the way you know, the, the flaps froze or, you know, the rudder froze when we were in the flight. And so we, we could only control the steering by the thrust on the two engines. I say we like I had anything to do. <laughs> like, I was eight. You yeah. Know, I was, yeah. yeah, that's like when Lions fans say we. Yeah, like, right? I can't stand that. Like, yeah, like I had, I had nothing <laughs> yeah. to hey, do with Hey, we this. won yesterday, guys. Let's go. Yeah. No, you sat your ass on the couch yeah. drinking Bud Light like, hey, watching. Great, great game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You got one. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I hate the Lions, but go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, so we were... Um, like we could pretty much only make right hand turns by just controlling the thrust. Um, and as we were kind of lining up for the runway, um, we didn't have any brakes. Brakes are controlled by hydraulics, which yep. we had no hydraulic pressure. Um, so as the plane's coming down to, to land, um, they thrust the engines in reverse. That's the only thing we can do to slow down. Yep. Uh, what they didn't anticipate happening, but what happened is it made the, turn, made the plane want to turn again like it yep. originally was. So one of the first things that hit the ground was actually the right wing. Oh, so the wing hit the ground, then it just kind of cartwheeled over and broke into three or four main pieces of fuselage. And, um, yeah, it was obviously pretty traumatic. Wow. Um, but yeah, the, the, the weirdest thing about it, and I think the thing that makes it really unique is, um, you know, they, they knew that we were going to crash for a half an hour or 40 minutes before it actually happened. Um, so like, you know, the news was there, like you, there's, if you, if you Google United flight two, three, two. Um, you can actually watch. I mean, you can see the plane crash. That's um, insane. Well, I mean, they were right there at the end of the runway. It's through a kind of a chain link fence, but yeah. So it was. Um, 
so yeah, so I don't, so I don't fly anymore. Yeah, I don't um, blame you. And it's funny. So I have my family is my mom, my dad. I have one older brother, myself. Uh, we were all on that plane. We all thank God we made it. And and my family all says that that I'm the most likely of the four of us to fly again. And I can tell you that there's just not a chance. No so way. none of your family f- have flown since then. No, like my my brother, like his his wife and and his son, they. They flew down to Disney World for a family vacation, and my brother drove down and, yeah. and met him there. Wow! So that's just kind of the reality of life for us. Yeah, you know. Um, Good lord! That's yeah. that's ins- what, what what date was that? July nineteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Nineteen eighty nine. Okay, yep. gotcha. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to go look that one up. That's it. wow. Yeah, you know, and I think you mentioned that to me before briefly, yeah. but I never heard the story about that. So yeah, yeah it's. A wild story it's crazy yeah so yeah so i don't fly so the the team flew out there and i yeah. not interested not not interested all right not me and me in the road i'll take my R- chance exactly <laughs> yeah like i have control over yeah, there you know for sure so yeah my my traumatic i have one traumatic flight experience and you're gonna laugh when you hear this <laughs> so i was about the same age as you um but it was in I want to say it was in January of 2002, so very shortly after the 9-11 stuff, and sure. I'm eight years old, don't know anything um, about what's going on in the world. All I know is that uh, hijackers flew buildings into the World Trade Centers, and so I was a little bit, I was old enough to be like aware of what was going on, sure. but I really didn't understand anything about it. We are flying to San Antonio, I believe, from Detroit. And the flight there was no problem. And then the flight back, and you got to remember, like, in that in that environment, there's all this stuff going on with Osama bin Laden. We just invaded Afghanistan. Like, that's, like, uh, what's going on in the world. And the pilot comes on, and he has a Middle Eastern accent of some, some sort. And me as an eight, nine-year-old kid, like, not having any context to anything about that i hear that pilot with the middle eastern voice and i'm thinking we're getting hijacked like this is it so i'm like at like sitting in a pool of sweat in my seat basically (laughs) for three hours on this on this flight where there was nothing that happened i mean it was you know but yeah it's interesting (laughs) (laughs) that's my traumatic flight experience so but um but yeah back to lacrosse so uh, and then, so the Grand Valley stuff is pretty cool, but I think what's the coolest is what you're doing with Mary Freebed. How did you get involved with, uh, with those guys out there? Yeah. So one of my, um, one of my former high school teammates, uh, who lives in the Indianapolis area now, um, sent me a, a message out of the blue one day and I don't even know how he got, it. I don't know if, if he's involved with the, the rehab hospital or anyway. Um, he sent me a message saying that, Hey, you know, the Mary, Mary Freebed is, is looking to hire a new lacrosse coach. Can you just forward this on to anyone who you think might be interested? And I kind of looked at it. And I was like, yeah, I think this would be kind of cool. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sure. interested. Um, and so I went in and I, I met with Kyle Ringwald, who oversees the program. And, and we kind of just talked about what our vision for wheelchair lacrosse is and um, kind of the, the role that sports play in our lives and what we hope that it would play in, in the wheelchair athletes' lives. And, um, you know, we were you know, in agreement on, on just about everything. And so I started uh, coaching there. Uh, last summer. Okay. And uh, we started with four wheelchair athletes. Um, and then this past summer, uh, we had 17 wheelchair athletes. Okay. Um, now, I think I think the reality is we were the first sport back for Mary Freebed. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the wheelchair athletes that wanted, wanted to do something 
lacrosse was the first option they had and so they took it mm-hmm. um but that having been said it was still really cool just to see you know when i started two summers ago um or i guess last summer two summer seasons ago last summer um you know we had four athletes uh wheelchair athletes and we had to bring a bunch of able-bodied athletes and just kind of put them in a chair and 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 that you know that's the only way we could do a practice yeah um and this year it got to the point where we had to start telling able ba- able body athletes like, hey, we don't need you anymore. Don't need like don't we don't have chairs for you at yeah. this point, you know? Um So Mary Freebed provides some of the cause I know athletic wheelchairs, they're they're not cheap. No. And not at all. And um and it's a very specific build for yep. sports, essentially. Yeah. So Mary Freebed provides a lot of those. Yeah, they okay. they have a um you know, I don't want to say a surplus of them, but but they have enough where they can you know, provide for the able-bodied athletes. Gotcha. And, and some of the wheelchair athletes don't have a sports wheelchair just because it is such a huge oh, cost. Sure. I mean, you're, what does that run typically? Five or $6,000. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, a major financial hurdle um, because, you know, obviously they need to be durable. The, the timbre of the wheels, um, it provides a little more balance. Like it's just, it's a, it's a different chair yeah. altogether. Um, so it's, uh, it, it was just, it's really cool. And I'll tell you, it, it's, the the stuff the stuff that we take for granted um you know like the wheelchair athletes like it, it's a it's a really cool opportunity for them um you know they don't when when we want to you know we have we, we all have sports in our life you know we can we can go we can play baseball there's adult league like there's drop in lacrosse you know there's all these opportunities you know if you're a wheelchair athlete there are only so many opportunities for sure and so you know the way that they'll you know we have players on a team that come from Muskegon every every time there's a practice or a game or Kalamazoo or Lansing. You know, like they're they're driving an hour to you know practice for an hour and a half, and then they're turning around and going back home. They appreciate it more, is what you're saying. You know, it's it's funny. Every single team that I've ever coached, you always have some players that find a reason that they can't do something. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what I found is the wheelchair athletes, without exception, will always find a way to get something done. Interesting. Like it's just it's a it's a refreshing dynamic. I'm gonna have to introduce those guys to some of the guys on my baseball team. Right, Good yeah. Lord, like, like they, I mean, they get there. On, I mean, it's and it, it's, um, um, I guess, a microcosm and one little thing. So we were, um, we couldn't practice inside this summer. Yep. Uh, so we were at Walker Ice and Fitness. They have an outdoor hockey rink or you know arena, whatever yeah. there. Yep. Um, and they have a Zamboni door, so we were able to get the wheelchairs on. And there's about uh, an inch lip between the the hockey rink and the the outside sidewalk. And it's funny because every single wheelchair athlete was able to get over that lip. Like mm-hmm. they found a way to do it. Not one of the able-bodied athletes that were in a chair would it, were able to get over it on their own. Interesting. Like I like we'd have to kind of lift them up and get them over every single one of them. But not one of the wheelchair athletes. Like they all figured it out. Like yeah, they found sure. a way to, to make it happen. Well, it's it's interesting that we're talking about this stuff because the the last interview that we did was last week with a guy named Travis who um, for a short period of he he got a really bad motorcycle accident and he was paralyzed from the waist down for a short period of time Um, he he has some issues with sensation in his lower legs now he still has a drop foot in one of his in one of his legs but he can walk now Um, but yeah he, he like he explained to us just some of the basic everyday things that are so difficult like that you just don't think about. Yeah. He's like, dude, I couldn't take a piss on my own for a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, you know, we had, we had an issue. There was a tournament last summer in Milwaukee and, and one of our wheelchair, wheelchair athletes had an issue 
um, because the hotel, the rooms that we rented, even though they were handicap accessible, the beds were like, I mean, like three feet up. I mean, it was like, um. it was a tall bed. He couldn't get from his chair to, to the bed. Wow. You know, stuff that like, I mean, never in a million years would I think about that when I'm going yeah. into a hotel or, you know, whatever. Um, but it was an issue for him. Cause like how, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, and, and it's, it's interesting because you know, like my first practice, it's, it's so hard, like all you see is, is the disability. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't help yourself. Like when you, when you see a wheelchair athlete, you're, you know, immediately you're, you see the wheelchair first. Yep. Um, and in your, and in your defense though, you, you coach, you know, co- collegiate athletes who are tremendous athletes regularly so that's what right. you're you're accustomed to seeing that yeah and so you come in and with a like and you're that that contrast is so large that i mean that's that's a very easy conclusion to jump to right. at first yeah and but i'm telling you like by by practice two or three you don't even think about the wheelchair yeah you, like it's just it's and i don't know how to describe it it's just like you just it's you see the person mm-hmm. you know um which i think is 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 a pretty cool type of thing to experience, you know, like when, when you really are, are interacting and, and the, the, the limitations of the athletes that you're dealing with is not even, you know, it's not something that you're really even thinking about. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. And then going back to the appreciation thing, you know, one thing that, and this was, this was an ignorance thing on my part, but a while back, you know, if you would have asked me what I thought about wheelchair athletes, I, I, I would have felt a little, I would have felt like a lot of sympathy. I would have been like, you know, I, God, I feel bad for those guys, you know, being out there in wheelchairs and stuff. But if you go watch a wheelchair basketball game or a wheelchair lacrosse game, those guys are having a blast. Oh, yeah. Like, they're, like when they're out, like when a, a, a wheelchair athlete's out there, like they're like they're having as much or more fun than me playing baseball or you playing lacrosse or yeah. somebody playing basketball. Like that's that was something that I just I really wasn't aware of until I actually like like went to Mary Freebed and saw some some basketball games and stuff. Yeah, I've never seen a wheelchair lacrosse game before, but oh, I awesome. imagine it's the it's the same thing. The, the way the way I describe it to people is it's kind of like you take you take lacrosse, roller hockey, and uh, and bumper cars and you throw it all together. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Yeah, it's but you know, it's we would we will we'll get you know, the lacrosse community in Michigan is relatively small. Yep. Um so you know, I'll talk to the other college coaches in the area and you know, we had Hope come out and Kelvin has come out in the past and we'll get some of their, you know, their lacrosse players, we'll put them in the chairs and we'll just we'll play them in wheelchair lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And I'll always talk to them and I'm like the number one rule is don't go easy on these guys. Yeah. Because if you go easy on them, you're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, they're gonna check you. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna stick check you. They're gonna, they're they're coming at you. <laughs> you know, like they want to be challenged, and like they're not taking it easy on you for sure. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the things that they, like, they want that. You know, they want that competitiveness. They want that challenge for sure. Um, you know, they they appreciate it. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you're, they're competitors too. Like, you can't forget about that. They don't. They they've i mean and I, and i'm speaking from a position that i i don't i don't know and i will never know unless that were to ever happen to me and, and this is this is from having a lot of conversations with travis this is what i've gathered you know when you're in a wheelchair you you 
you either get a bunch of like weird looks from people when you're out in public or you get a bunch of people feeling sorry for you. Sure. I feel like when you when you are out on the athletic playing field, no matter what your ability, uh, you want to, you want that even playing field where you're like, OK, I'm in this arena now. Let's you know, I'm, I'm here to compete. I'm not here to be patronized right. i'm not here yeah, to be absolutely. felt sorry for yep. you know i'm out here to kick your ass <laughs> exactly <laughs> and yeah, yeah so you know they, they obviously the wheelchair athletes like they they do have some limitations um but my by no means does that mean that they're not athletic for sure um we have we have one wheelchair athlete who is actually uh he's in the um development he's on the development team for the u.s sled hockey team uh, nice. he's an incredible athlete you know, like he, he does have some, obviously some physical limitations, but the, you know, you can't think that like, oh, he's, he's not an athlete. Like he is like, the, what are some of the like differences as far as like playing the game? Because I know having played lacrosse previously, like not everything would, ha- would be the same necessarily. So like, what are some of the, the things that you had to change in your mind when you start worrying about a wheelchair being involved in, in coaching and everything? It, it's not the wheelchair being involved as much. It's, it's more, um, so there's no, for when I'm coaching field lacrosse, there is a, you know, from a, this is, this is coming from a coach. Mm-hmm. There is a right way and a wrong way to execute the fundamentals. Yeah. You absolutely. know what I mean? Like you're either throwing the correct way or you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, with wheelchair lacrosse, you know, everybody's limitations are a little bit different. Mm. Um, you know, depending on the, if there's a spinal cord injury, spinal bifida, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, some wheelchair athletes may not have the use of um, a lot of their core muscles. So, you know, making a two hand pass a lot of times, it's just not, it's not mm-hmm. realistic. So for some of them, you know, they're catching throwing with, with just their strong hand. Box the cross just, all day. It's, but not even, but, but not even with that second hand yeah. on the stick, you know, just a one hand mm-hmm. kind of shovel more or yeah. less. Um, and it's, so it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, you have your idea of what you want to do, like schematically or fundamentally mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, but for every player, it's different. You know, there's no right or wrong. It's more like result driven, mm-hmm. you know, like. If you can catch and throw, I don't really, it doesn't really matter how yeah. you get it done as long as you get it done. Um, and it's also something where, you know, you really have to incorporate what we call chair skills. Um, you know, it's something, and that's, that's why, that's why we usually fare pretty well against the able-bodied teams that we bring in. Um, you know, they have all the stick work and all that down, but they can't move. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we get the wheelchair athletes who, you know, have serviceable stick work um, and they are just you know, going in circles around the guys. Yeah. Um, so like learning how to walk again, if you're an able-bodied person trying to yeah, work in a wheelchair, it, it really is. Yep. And it's, it's funny because, um, we were talking to, uh, or I was, I, f- I forget his name. One of the, um, one of the college players that was playing against them and we played for about a half. We took a little bit of a break, like a five minute break. And he's complaining. You know, I, I see him kind of stretching out his fingers and he's like, man, my hands are really sore right now. And I was like, dude, this is not the place to complain about your hands being <laughs> sore. Yeah. You know, like, like come on. Mm-hmm. But it's true. Like, I, I played, um, you know, we, again, we went to a tournament in Milwaukee, and I played a couple of games there. And uh, I was driving home with my assistant coach, and I had to have my, my hands were on the steering wheel as I was driving with my fingers extended, like, up in the air. Um, just because my fingers hurt so much from, you know, from being in a wheelchair and pushing around <laughs> for, you know, two or three games. Yeah. My assistant coach looks at me, he goes, it looks like you're trying to catch a beach ball. Uh, and I'm just driving down the road just with my arms out. And it's just, yeah, but I mean, it's, uh, it's weird. Like it's, 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 it's just, it's different, you know, but it's different for everyone. It's, it's cool though. I, I mean, I'd encourage everyone to, to get out of their comfort zone and get involved. Like Mary Freebed, like 
that is an organization that like they just they're, they're the best of the best they're filled with saints and angels man yeah. everyone that's over there is just incredible um and you know the work that they do is you know they're they're never dealing with someone on on their best day mm-hmm. you know what i mean like they're For always sure. dealing with someone who's overcoming a hurdle yeah um and so for them to do what they do is it's it's pretty humbling and yeah it's, it's fun to be a small part of yeah and if uh if you're listening to this right now and you want to hear more about that specifically uh go back and listen to episode four when we talk with travis because he he dives deep into what mary freebed did for him when he had his accident and and the rehabilitation and I truly believe that, you know, based on the injury that he had, there was such a slow, there's such a slim margin that he would ever be able to walk again. But the faith that one of his nurses instilled in him when like 30 days, like it was about 15 days after his accident when he was in Mary Freebed, one of his, like he's, he's, you know, every, every doctor that he's talked to said, if you're going to walk again, it's up to God, basically. Like, there's sure. nothing you can do and there's nothing that I can do that's going to make you walk again. Um, but there's a nurse that told him, he's like, hey, I saw your, I saw a muscle in your leg twitch. Like, I felt it. And for the next couple weeks, tra- all that he thought about was moving his leg an inch to the right or whatever. Like, eh. Sure. And then I think he said it was at day 30, he took his first steps. Yeah, something after, like that. After his accident. Now... With the full back brace, the walker, oh, yeah, two sure. nurses on each side. A step is a step. A step is say, a step. Like, yeah, after you yep. break after your back. A partial spinal. You, he, I think he said he, he broke T8, T9 or something like that. Yeah, partially like, severed his spinal cord. Yeah, just oh. uh, absolutely yeah. brutal injury. But um, be careful on those motorcycles. Right. Y'all, but, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Also, we should uh, leave a link to Mary Freebed to donate to, to Mary Freebed. That'd be awesome. I think that's an excellent idea. I can definitely, yeah. I think that's an excellent idea. Yeah, if you have a link specifically for uh, to help with your program, that would be awesome too. Yeah, I can get that to you. Awesome. Yeah, that would be that would be outstanding. That's one thing that we need to get better at is plugging our guest stuff when they. Yeah, if there's anything you want to plug, social media, cool. website, donation links, we'll put it whatever in the, in yeah, the description. We will do that. that. No problem. So, yeah, I get you that. So, how has COVID impacted your your season over the last, like, or what you've done with your teams over the last six months? And what are some think hurdles that you've had to overcome, and uh, just some some hoops that you've had to jump through just to get your kids out there? Yeah. So, I mean, we'll we'll start at the beginning. Um, you know, we our season got canceled last year. I mean, right after our spring break trip, and we were. We were three and zero. We beat three top ten teams. Our combined score was forty nine to sixteen. Nice. You know, we were ranked number two in the nation, and, and you know, I've I've won one national championship, and I felt I felt pretty good about this team. You yeah. know, like we had the talent, but there was just something. There was that intangible quality that you can't really describe, but like when a team has it, you just know it. Can I can I guess what it was? Yeah. Without knowing anything about lacrosse or your team, you probably had a lot of. Um, players on the field who probably could coach at some point it, it's funny you say that yes yeah yep and it, we actually have we had a bunch of players who actually do coach like summer lacrosse you yep. know, at the youth levels whatever but they see the game through a different way they like they just got it yeah you know um, but yeah you're absolutely right um so we got we got done we we're actually about to play we we're getting ready we we're game prepping for western michigan it was on a wednesday i uh was on the practice field and all of a sudden i feel my phone you know blow up and I check it and I, it's an alert from the campus saying, um, 
classes are canceled Thursday and Friday. It's going to be, you know, everyone go home and we're going to do online learning starting Monday. Oh, geez. So, and of course, the ultimate optimist, I'm like, okay, you know, go home. We'll probably be a week or two. We'll let this all pass. Yep. And then we'll come back and, you know, game on. You know, so I'm, I'm telling my team at the end of practice, you know, make sure you're going out for runs, you know, stay in shape. Don't sit on the couch for these two or three weeks, yep. you know, yep. so we can get back going. And man, was I wrong. <laughs> um, and and yeah. here we are today. So yep. the longest two weeks of my life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just won't end. You know, we got our and we actually I so I stole our return to play plan from the Mary Freebed return to play. OK, um, where we're all wearing masks. We take their temperature. You know, Grand Valley does a, a pretty good job with their the self-assessment that everyone has to take and all that kind of stuff. They're they're randomly testing the student body, their contact tracing. We have to document everyone that's at practice. Um, we are wearing face shields over helmets, which is, you know, it's like playing lacrosse in a terrarium. Yeah. You know, it's just hot and you can't breathe. But like if that's what we need to do to get back, then For sure. then we'll do it. Um that having been said, um we're hopeful we got shut down, not we the lacrosse team, but there was a the Ottawa County Health Department Yep. Uh, issued a stay in place order for Is Grand Valley. Uh, it'll it'll be through October first. Okay. So as yeah. of midnight, like Thursday night, Friday morning. Yeah. Um, if all goes according to plan, they'll be back. So we've been out for you know for almost two weeks now, um, and I kind of knew that this was. I, I had a feeling something like this was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, we normally start lacrosse practice mid September. We started the first day of class August thirty first this year. Um, just to try to get as much in as possible. Um, you know, it's uh, it's frustrating. You know, we, we've already lost one season and it's just kind of like we can't get over this hurdle. Um, and I, I guess it's it's particularly frustrating because I feel like we as a lacrosse program are doing everything that we need to do to mitigate the risk that's involved with transmission of COVID. Sure. You know, um, our players, they, they wear masks to the field. They put on their helmets that have a face shield on it. The coaches are all in masks. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm very confident that the issue with COVID around Grand Valley doesn't stem from any of our activities. For sure. You know, um, but yet you're paying the price for. Yeah, here we are. Whether you could, it, whatever side of the aisle you're on, whether you you want to chalk it up to you know 18, 19 year old kids being quote unquote irresponsible which I think is a huge stretch calling it that, but we'll call it that for the sake of this to even if an 18, 19 year old kid gets it, there's really not like a lot of people that are pushing for these lockdowns and these, these mandates. They're saying that, you know, we got to listen to the science. Well, the science is out. I mean, the, the science is that this is a dangerous disease for a very specific number of people. Um, if you look at the, the number, just, A very broad sweeping statement that I thought was incredibly ironic. The United States as a whole is on track to have less deaths for the entire country for anything. There there are going to be less deaths in 2020 than there were in 2018 and 2019. We're we're on the same trend for that. I just heard that yesterday. I didn't know that. Wow. Um, According to the CDC, somebody in the age range of the kids that you're coaching is... Is there's a 0.001% chance of somebody dying from COVID in that age range. Now, the, the question is, is, you know, or are they going to get it and give it to grandma? Well, that's where the people who are at risk really need to be taking these precautions seriously. 
Um, but for somebody who's healthy, who's in their who's in their twenties or thirties, the the it, to me, from my perspective, it just seems asinine that you're going to um, you're going to bubble wrap everything like is going on these days. Well, so my my parents both have some some health conditions where they're they're both considered high risk. Yep, sure. Um, so you know, like they they do a lot of the um, you know, the grocery shopping. Like they're not going to grocery stores. They're yep. having the you know the groceries delivered and. Um, when we go out to, to see them or whatever, like they actually live on, they live on a lake. So we just go hang out with like, I, I, I stay six feet away from them. Sure. You know, like I, I don't want to risk, you know, I, I'm coaching lacrosse. I'm in the public. I'm around it. Um, and if I get it, I'll, I'm, I'm confident in my abilities to, to handle it. For sure. Um, what I don't want to have happen is me unknown, you know, if I'm asymptomatic or whatever For sure. to, to pass it to them. So I'm, I'm cautious about that. Um, but I agree. I, I, I guess it, it just gets down to a, a, a vast majority, and I don't have the numbers, um, but a vast majority of, you know, physically capable teenagers, young 20-year-old, you know, young adults, um, I don't think the health risk is with them as, as much as it is with, you know, we're worried about them transmit you know the transmission of the disease for sure it's frustrating nonetheless absolutely it's frustrating i heard uh yesterday that florida is opening a hundred percent no mask mandates no capacity mandates we're going back to business as usual now i don't know if that applies to like major sporting events or i i I don't have the nitty-gritty details they may limit private companies like if you have for sure if you have like the orlando magic like they that's the only sports team I can think of out of Florida right now. But uh, the Buccaneers, the Dolphins, uh, Dolphins the Tampa yeah. so Bay like, Rays. For football, like, <laughs> yeah. I, could, I could totally see like the NFL team saying, hey, sure. we still want to keep stuff locked down. Like this is a huge gathering. It's not really worth the yeah. risk. But, uh, you know, yeah. this is this is such an interesting turn of events in our country, because the the one thing that's concerning to me is it's a. And it's more concerning than COVID is the mindset shift that my health, it, like my entire life up until March of this year, my health was my responsibility. It's my responsibility to take care of my body. It's my responsibility to, to keep myself healthy. Um, if I have some sort of medical condition, it's my responsibility to go get treated for it. Now it seems like we've shifted that responsibility now my health is the responsibility of joe my health is the responsibility of the other people in the grocery store to not get me sick it's a really odd shift in the mentality of our country and it's it's concerning to me that it's not going to go away anytime soon yeah i mean let, let me play devil's advocate here sure um when you drive, do you put a seatbelt on? I do. Why? Uh, so if I get in an accident, I go. I don't fly out of the car. It mitigates risk. Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I can make that argument for wearing masks. Okay. It mitigates risk for for both you and others. Sure. Like I get where you're coming from. Yeah. You know what I mean? I guess like, and I'm just kind of I'm trying to think of like my parents. You know, like I don't want them going out and you know, getting for sure infected, whatever. Yeah. But so they don't go out. Yeah. You know, or or they limit, you know, they're smart about where they're going. I don't know. I just, I don't think, you know, if, if people want us to wear masks, I can, I can live with it. Whether I agree with it or not is a different animal, but I can deal with it. For sure. Yeah. I, I it's, it's a tough one for me because I don't like, 
I don't like government to begin with. I think government's a necessary evil, in my opinion. And I don't like when my, we were talking about this a while ago, but my thought process my entire life has been nothing in Washington should ever affect my day-to-day life. I control my destiny. Um, If I get in trouble, whether it's Biden, whether it's Trump, whether it's Clinton, whether it's Joe Blow, whoever's sitting in the White House is not in control of my life. I'm in control of my life. And I was pretty comfortable with that thought process. And it's really being challenged now because for the first time in my lifetime, there are public policies in place that are really affecting. Now, and I will say this, for me, this the pandemic has actually worked out in my favor in a lot of ways. Financially, uh, I didn't lose a job. I got some stimulus money. I got some paid time off of work. All of those, all of those things are good things for me. Sure. So my my heart goes out to the people who were absolutely crushed by this thing, where they they back in March said we, when we were told we needed to flatten the curve. We haven't heard that term in a while. I haven't heard. I, flat. I thought we. I think we did that. We did that like, back yeah. in June, by we the did, way. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the pandemic. In my opinion, the pandemic was over in June. the f- The fear porn has continued up till now, and probably will be. Until at least after the election, we'll, we'll right. really we'll see. see what we're going to see how serious COVID is on, on November 5th, I think, is really <laughs> when know. we're going to find out how serious COVID is, because I think a lot of this is just politics. But going back to what I was saying before, COVID, there are so many people that got crushed by this thing. We're supposed to flatten the curve. We're supposed to at the beginning, there was no question as to whether or not a lot of people were going to get this. Viruses are contagious. This one is extremely contagious. It almost seems as if it was engineered to be contagious. We won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, but the fact that we the, the, the entire narrative has shifted between we just need to shut things down so we don't overwhelm the, the hospital system. Because we saw what happened in Italy. We saw the, the pictures of you know right. bodies in the streets and stuff like that. Um, it tore through Italy. We can get into some of the the reasons why that potentially happened based on their their population the and yeah. their their the average age. Um, they they have a ton like the per capita in Italy people who smoke versus people who don't smoke in the United States is way higher. Um, that could have potentially contributed to a lot of things. So we just don't know. We we re- we really don't know for sure. But it tore through Italy, Italy, and then we in the United States are like, oh, maybe may, this is this looks kind of serious. Maybe we should shut things down for a couple weeks, maybe a month, see what happens. Well, a month turns into two, two turns into three, three turns into six, and here we are. And there are certain states that are really like Florida, who are just like, you know what, we're you know. If if you if you have a brain cell, you're aware of the precautions that you personally need to take, and you should do that. Our hospitals are not overwhelmed. As a matter of fact, there are hospitals across the country that are closing um, because they couldn't afford to stay open because of the lack of people coming into the hospital. So that wasn't the problem. A hospital system's fine. It was never overwhelmed, maybe for very short periods of times in very certain areas. Like I think Detroit had a, a spike that stressed them out a bit but like they they yeah. handled well I, I mean i know going off of that like i know there was there were a couple of weeks there i have a couple of friends that are in the it, it it was very dl but there were covid cases that were actually coming over to grand rapids from detroit mm-hmm. yeah like, i did hear hospitalizations about that. Yep, yeah for sure so i mean there, there were pockets where yeah absolutely it was. but now but what we know about it now and and knowing that um there there are 
And one of the things that I've been hearing a lot from doctors, by the way, is that uh, having a vitamin D deficiency is is one of the is one of the main reasons that your immune system can get beat down by this thing. So that is a is a pretty simple thing to fix. I mean, you you start supplementing <laughs> vitamin D, and that helps out a lot. And again, go out in the sun. Yeah, go get some sunshine. <laughs> go get some sunshine. <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah, and so there are some states like Florida that are just like you know what the science is out there. This thing isn't nearly as deadly as we thought it was originally. The hospitals aren't overwhelmed. Uh, if you get it, uh, we have a pretty good idea of how to treat it now in a lot of cases. Uh, so you know we're gonna we're gonna get back to normal. And then there are states like Michigan. There are states like um, states that have a, uh, governors with a certain political affiliation who are really loving the power trip that they're on right now. And the the one the thing that did it for me because. On either side of the aisle, I like to give the benefit of the doubt because I've never held pl- a public office. I've never written public policy. Um, and I, it's, it's got to be an incredibly diff- diff- difficult job. And there's so many different things that you have to weigh in. And there's some, I kind of run a no risk it, no biscuit operation. Just <laughs> like, you know, you, there, there are inherent risks in life. And from what, from me personally, I've taken some risks in my life and typically it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I get bit in the ass, but. You learn, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, when you're but when you're managing risk for other people, though, I can kind of see it how it's maybe sometimes it's better to err on the side of being safer, quote unquote. Um, but what did it for me when I realized that these politicians aren't playing it safe? They have maybe they have an agenda, maybe they're just power power drunk at this point. But when there were when mask man, mandates came out for athletes playing football. Like mask mandates, mandates for high high school footballs while playing. That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. Like I I don't care. Like you've, like you you have a higher risk of dying from from losing oxygen in a mask while playing a sport like football where you're wearing thirty pounds of equipment and just gassed all the time. Well, you know what I don't understand. Going off of that, did you see where like three co- three NFL coaches got fined like a hundred thousand dollars for yes. not wearing a mask? Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the NFL tested every single player, coach, staff, whatever before each week. Yeah. And nobody's come back negative. Yeah. Which nobody's I, come back positive. I'm sorry. Nobody's yep. come back positive. Yep. I'm sorry. Um, which, by the way, I'm calling bullshit on that one. Um, there's zero chance that all 3,600 non-bubble people, like, there's just no way. Anyway, I digress. If everyone came back negative, then why is it so important for the coaches to wear masks on the sideline? That's a very good question, Tim. Right? That is a very good question. The players are negative. The officials are negative. The coaching staffs are negative. The equipment managers are negative. The ball boys are negative. There's no freaking fans in the stands. There's no no fans within 30 feet of you. Yeah. Why... Why is why is Sean McVay getting fined a hundred thousand dollars for having his gator around his neck? I I work I work in a place where I have to make a lot of phone calls every day, and I know how and and communicate through a microphone and stuff like that. Yep. It's hard enough to hear somebody on the phone sometimes. I don't know, just communicating on the phone sometimes the audio isn't that clear. Um, but having something even a thin mask. One of my favorite analogies, and and there's not a lot of science behind this. It's just funny. So if if <laughs> if if you're drinking the COVID Kool Aid, relax. It's just a joke. If if a mask can stop a virus, why don't your genes stop a fart? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, true. Yes. 
So anyway, I I, I digress on that, but. Yeah, yeah. It, it just seems it just seems so agenda driven. Like they want to make an example out of these coaches that well, they're that they're finding. That's guess, what it seems like to me. That's I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Is like whatever 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 the rules surrounding COVID are, there should be consistency with them. You know what I mean? For sure. Like we couldn't we couldn't host events in Michigan. You go down to Indiana and they're having lacrosse tournaments with 400 teams from throughout the United States all in one location. Yeah. Like, like COVID gets to the state line and, and like, oh, wait, for sure. We can't go in there. Yeah. And I guess that's where the frustration is. Like whatever, like whatever the response is surrounding COVID, there needs to be uniformity. Yeah. You know what I mean? There needs to be consistency. Case in point, like, you know, right now, Grand Valley, we're at, we're at, you know, we have the stay in place order. Right. Even before then, we weren't allowed to, to play any games or anything like that um, this fall. And then I'm looking on on social media or whatever, and I see that uh, Missouri State, one of the teams that is in the MCLA, they're playing Missouri Valley this For weekend. Sure. You know, so I'm just like, yeah. you know, we're all dealing with the same thing, yet here they are playing a in-state rival. They get that experience. They get mm-hmm. that opportunity to play. And are you getting the COVID vaccine? No. Not even thinking about it, huh? No, I, I won't. I won't do it. No, no, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. Idea. That's a terrible idea. I don't even get the flu vaccine. Like, Like, why would I get the COVID vaccine? Right. My whole thing is like, vaccines take like eight to ten years, like properly formulate and you know, safe check and all that. So you're telling me in like seven months, we got all the bugs worked out of this one? No. Like, there's there's no no way. way. You're out of your gourd if you think that a vaccine that comes out in nine months is going to be safe and effective. Right. I remember my my mom, when I was little, I would, my older sister got chicken pox and um, my mom considered getting me the chicken pox vaccine. And my doctor said, no, it's not ready yet. Like, wait another two years. I never got it. I ended up getting the vaccine two years later. Everything was fine. Like, it, it's worth waiting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to be injected with something that we don't really know. Well, especially because like something shady's going on. Like, I, and I don't know all the companies or, but like one of the companies like like immediately halted their like like the third stage of testing or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm butchering yeah. what this is, but like they it they was it was Moderna, I believe. Yeah, and like they wouldn't yeah. specify why they did it, mm-hmm. but they just stopped it for like a week. Yeah, like because something went wrong mm-hmm. and like they yeah. haven't commented on it since. Yeah. Like, it's no. almost like that lab that got shut down because of a COVID outbreak. Or wait, did that actually happen? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I don't, happened. I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was in Wuhan, China. Oh, did you hear yeah. about that? That lab. Yeah. 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 I, so my company works with companies that I can't name that are in that province and like they had to shut down stuff. Yeah. And it, By the way, that was the only part of China that shut down though. Like really? that's, that's that. something that a lot of people don't know. I have a friend of mine who is very high up in the engineering world. He's the director of engineering, engineering at a company in Michigan somewhere. Um, he's, he's probably, he's the smartest human being I've ever met. And he's the smartest human being you've ever met. You've never <laughs> met him. So like, <laughs> uh, Joe knows who I'm talking about, yep. but he, he, so they do a lot of business with China because that's where they get a lot of their product from. They didn't. They weren't. They were on time for every single shipment. Really? They didn't miss a damn beat. Really? Over there, Beijing. Nah, they're open. Hong Kong, open. Well, Hong Kong may be quasi open because there's a civil war going on there right now. But we won't get into that either. <laughs> yeah, that's another. I definitely don't know enough about what's going on in Hong Kong to commentate on it. All uh, I know is that China, the communist Chinese is, is coming in and taking away the freedoms that Hong Kong had as like a, a quasi independent state 
my question has always been when the 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 narrative of a country in our case which is controlled in a lot of ways by the major media outlets when there's a major narrative that's just being hammered i always my question is always what else is going on in the world right now because mm-hmm. it can't just be covid like covid's a big thing i get it um but there's more th- there are more things going on in the world right now than donald trump and covid yeah and the lack of interest to cover anything else right now is is deaf it's their silence is deaf so let me ask you this yeah go ahead allegedly covid all started when somebody ate undercooked bat at a wuhan wet market sure correct assuming assuming that's true yeah for this question would you feel worse if you were the person who ordered a bat soup or would you feel worse if you're the person that undercooked the bat soup <laughs> Like every day you wake up and you check like the news and it's like 1.6 million people died. It's like, oh God. Uh, like, what have I done? Like, he probably hasn't even gotten fired though. That's the funniest right? thing. Yeah, like, He's like, hey, somebody's going to find out you know this what? was He's me. on time every day. Like, I can't get rid of him. <laughs> That's uh, the funniest thing I've ever heard. Like every time he checks news, like another six hundred oh, died. Man. Like oh no. Oh well, allegedly, if if patient zero was the guy that ate the bat, that guy's probably dead. So he doesn't right. have he doesn't have a lot to feel bad about. <laughs> he was the, he was the first one to eat it, but I kind of want no him to like, I kind of want him to have like survived though. Yeah, You're like every day wakes up and like an, the newest COVID update, just like oh. Yeah. Like I should have just gone with chicken noodle. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> you know, like yeah. chicken noodle soup. Yeah, yeah. Like there it was right there. It was glowing. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, like, it was like it. this radioactive hue around it, and I still ate it. <laughs> You're sure this is good? I like, paid oh, 19 yeah. yen for this. Yeah, yeah, I'm not not eating this. <laughs> you know, like there are hungry kids in America. <laughs> eat it. <laughs> 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 oh, it's the funniest thing! <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that the other like, like man, I feel bad if I was a guy that ordered. Like, I'd feel bad if I was a guy that made it. Yeah, like yeah. you sure that's good? Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, man, that's got. I've done good. this hundred times. Yeah, like, yeah. It's fine. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> you know? Like, wow. Yeah, that meat market opened back up too. By the way, I don't, I don't know that it actually. I think there was. Uh, something that said that it wasn't actually from the wet market, that it was uh, created in a lab. I know exactly yeah, how it came about. You want to talk about it? No, no, I don't. I don't want to talk about it. I know, exa- I know exactly where it came from. I'm I'm gonna move on. I actually have a question for Tim. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, lacrosse. You played lacrosse as a kid, mm-hmm. and you've gotten into coaching now. Was there anything in between there, or how did that work out? No. So I um like I played lacrosse. You know. Started in like third and fourth grade, you mm-hmm. know, on up. Um, and then uh, went to Butler University. Uh, I, I played there very briefly. What position did you play? I was an attackman. Nice. Yep. Um, what are the, hold on real quick. What oh, are yeah, the different Justin. positions in lacrosse? <laughs> There's um, attackmen, which are like the forwards. Okay. They go on the offensive half of the field. Yep. There are defensemen, you know, and the name itself. They uh, play they're defense. Going to, yep, they play defense. Yep. Um, some better than others. Uh, they're on the defensive half of the field. And then you have uh, three midfielders that can go all over. Okay. So, so very similar to soccer then. Yes, except for there's like a hard midline in mm-hmm. lacrosse that defensemen cannot cross. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, gotcha. So, um, you know, you get three defensemen and a goalie. 
So there always have to be four players on your defense half of the field. So like if a defenseman goes over, then one of your midfielders needs to stay back. Gotcha. So and then there are three attackmen, the forwards, and they have to always be on the offensive end. Gotcha. So it is. Does that go the same for the attackmen? Then they can't cross the the half the half the Correct. midfield, midfield line. line. Okay. Yep. yep. So yeah, it's and if if you have an attackman that goes over, then a midfielder needs like there. It's it's typically ninety nine percent of the time it's by position. Um, but at the end, the, the rules are just the number of people you have on either side. Gotcha. Of the so if it, you know, you can have two defensemen go over, then you need to have two midfielders who stay back. Goalie carry across it, mid. Exactly. Yep. Like the goalie can go over. Okay. You, yeah. just, you need someone to stay back for him. Gotcha. So yeah, so I, I played, I played attack. Um, I, I actually, I tore my ACL in football my senior year in high school and then tore it, I tore it twice my senior year in high school. And just never kind of, I, I just couldn't keep up at Butler. Um, they were just a, a level above me and I just couldn't, couldn't get, I was done. Yeah. Um, but one of my, one of the guys who was in my recruiting class um, was like, hey, you know, if you're not going to play, um, my high school, he was locally from Indianapolis, he's like my high school could probably use an extra set of hands coaching. Um, so I actually started out coaching at North Central High School, um, right on the, you know, northern suburb of of uh indianapolis is that zionsville area or the our fisher side it's uh fisher side but i mean it's it's indianapolis okay like it's in uh, i don't want to so say it's, it's inside in, the 465 yeah okay yep um it's right off of 82nd street okay um so yeah it's i started coaching there and you know i was 19 years old coaching 18 year olds <laughs> you know oh, cool. a, a weird dynamic yeah. um but coached there for a couple of years and then i moved over to cathedral high school down in indianapolis and coached there for a few years and then uh I lived in Indy for, for nine or 10 years um, and then came back up and um, took over the Rockford program and coached there for four years and then moved down to Grand Valley State. That's so, awesome. So yeah, so I went, you know, I, my, I stopped playing lacrosse in January and I started coaching lacrosse in March. So That's I've, awesome. I've been involved pretty much consistently throughout my That's life. That's like a, an athlete's dream. Right, exactly. Yep. So it's, and I, I honestly, I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a, a pretty capable coach because I was so limited athletically mm. as a player. Like I really feel like I had to understand the game. You, you know, had to like be crafty. I, exactly. You know, I need to know the nuances of it. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, being limited athletically has really helped me as a coach um, because I, I feel like I can relate to those role player type of players that mm-hmm. you really need some sort of production out of, you know, your, your, your top, five percent what like they're going to be great athletes they're going to be able to make yeah. plays um but you know it's what do you do with those guys that aren't those you know those top six or seven players you're preaching to the choir so, right yeah <laughs> so yeah i yeah. played i played with a guy who uh one of the guys i went to high school with his name is uh trey colunas john colunas the third yep um went and, to ud mercy yep ud yep. mercy and then he actually became a latvian citizen which is his heritage because they had something with the USSR. You were able to apply for citizenship. Really? So he actually played in Latvia professionally for, for a summer. That. And now he's like going back to either law school or getting his MBA at UDM. Uh, and yeah, it's crazy. That's awesome. Awesome athlete. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, he is not one of those limited athletes. No, like, not at can, all. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I played with him. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Like, there we go. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'll cheer you on, man. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, who is, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Red-haired kid, went to St. Thomas, played football there. Uh, Colin. Uh, nope, not Colin. 
What oh. a year. He was, he was uh, really good friends with Danny Gallagher. Oh, uh, Colin Morant. No, not Colin Morant. I don't know how many other redheads I know. Yeah. Anyway, he, he was a very... He was I Catholic also Central. went to St. Thomas, so that's why I'm, I'm oh, confused. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, then, yeah, we definitely don't like each other. Uh, <laughs> Where yeah. are you from? What's that? Oh, Rockford. Yeah, yeah. Were well, you Rockford through and through, or...? No, I, I went to East Grand Rapids. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, wait, what St. Thomas are you talking about? St. Thomas over by Aquinas College. Okay, no. I'm talking St. Thomas, Minnesota. Oh, okay, okay. Like he he played football for like one. That one would that would make sense. Why I don't know him is that okay? Yeah, different St. Thomas. Like I'm I'm local. I'm born and raised in Grand Rapids. He went to Grand Rapids Catholic Central, and then he graduated from Catholic Central and and played at St. Thomas. Do you know what year he graduated Catholic Central? It would have been the same year as Danny Gallagher. So it would have been like fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, right around. Or like maybe Colin Moran really sounds like it would be him. I can't like I cannot believe I can't come up with his name. I'm I'm gonna try and figure this out now. His 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 dad was a newscaster on Channel Three, Ryan Bradley. Oh, Ryan yes, Bradley. Ryan Bradley. He was yep. so he was two years ahead of me. He was okay. been 2013. Was okay, okay. So yeah, I was so that was my wrong. sister's class actually. Okay. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, he was a pretty good athlete. Yeah, he was he was a solid athlete. Yep. Such an interesting uh, subculture that <laughs> oh, yeah. you guys you guys <laughs> yeah, have. Right. <laughs> It's like don't, don't guys, mind us. <laughs> everybody knows everybody in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a small community in Grand Rapids, though. I mean, and East Grand Rapids is kind of the center, and then I think Forest Hills kind of had that like satellite office, sure. so to speak, of it. So, like, if you know, actually, if you know the the Donovan family out in Forest Hills area, um, they're Brian? John Donovan and uh, oh, what is his brother's name? His twin brother's name. They're twins. One of them played at uh msu as a as a defender i don't patrick patrick thank yeah. you yeah so i coached him i know was the summer lacrosse coach for a few yeah, years so yeah. tom murray thomas murray and harry murray all went to catholic central with me and and saint thomas for uh, elementary school so i knew the donovan family through them oh no kidding yeah okay so like forest hills and east grand rapids like those are the the big lacrosse communities in grand oh, rapids yeah. so it's pretty pretty tight-knit yeah. so even though even though i mean i wasn't I wasn't ever really involved or any, I didn't ever really play at a high level, but you still learn the name. It's a small world. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so to wrap this thing up, what do you, what do you think the country needs to take the sport of lacrosse and turn it into something in, in this, maybe not quite in, but put it, put it on the radar with, from like a from like a viewership level, from a professional sports level, what do you think the country needs to really get interested in this sport? Oh, that's a great question. I don't I don't know. If there's I don't know. If there's one answer to that. Um, I guess the my knee jerk reaction would would probably just be accessibility to the sport at at like the youth level. You don't have to be well off to play basketball. Right. You know what I mean? Like you need a peach basket and a ball. Yep. You know, um, for baseball, you need a stick and a ball. Yeah. And you can play backyard baseball. Sure. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. played backyard baseball. Yep. Everyone's played basketball in their driveway. You know, everyone's played rumble, fumble, you know, football, you yep. know, whatever. Um, if you don't have the means, you're just not exposed to the sport of lacrosse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so like if you're, you know, if you're a it's little like hockey. Well, lacrosse exactly. is the cheap hockey. I, I, yeah. I wasn't yep. able to convince my parents of hockey, but I could convince yeah. them of lacrosse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's absolutely correct. And so I, I just think, you know, without kids growing up playing it, you're just not exposed to it. So you're just not, yeah. you're just not interested in sure. it. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's actually kind of, 
I don't want to say disappointing, um, but the professional lacrosse league, the PLL, they they figured out they were like one of the first professional sports organizations to figure out the bubble this summer. Um, they got all their players to go out to Salt Lake City and they played, I want to say it was like 36 games in 19 days or something like that. Wow. Um, and they all played each other and had a tournament, whatever. Um, and it was on NBC or NBC Sports, like it was broadcast. It was really going to be like this really visible whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like two weeks before that is when baseball started. Oh. So it's like, well, I, I didn't hear anything that. about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's, but it's like, it's still a niche sport. And I just think, um, you know, until it's accessible at, at the youth level mm-hmm. to, to the, the greater population, um, I think it'll continue that. But that having been said, you know, we're, the nice thing about it is we're in a day and age where, you know, 10 years ago, the national championship semifinals and finals were on TV. Yeah. And that was it. You know, Memorial Day weekend, there were three games on and they were on ESPN2. And that ESPNU was... ESPNU almost always has lacrosse on. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. That's like... Nowadays, it's, you know, the Big Ten network has it mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, the ACC network. And it's not like it's it's not too hard. And the way everyone, you know, you don't, people don't just have TVs now. Yeah, you know you're streaming everything. There's Hulu and there, you know whatever. YouTube, YouTube is, is a great platform. Enormous. Yeah, you know there are people like my old high school that I went to. There are there now because of the concern with COVID. There are people that want to they want to watch games, but they don't want to actually be there in person. Sure, just, you know for that reason. So they're like my high school is like streaming stuff. Like yeah. ten years ago, that would have never happened. There's just no way. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You have to have a, a a huddle account if you want to go watch film, and it's that <laughs> right. grainy, like bad angle from the press box yep. with a you know like a a VHS camera or something like that. Grand Valley, in the grand scheme of things, we're an MCLA Division Two team. Sure, you know, um, we broadcast our games. You yeah. know, like they're all streamed online, so like you can even go and find our games online. You know, so I mean, there's I, just... I think Grand Valley is one of the most well-funded D two teams. Yeah, by far. Like, yeah, we have a lot of nice stuff at Grand Valley. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we have a full field turf building. Yeah. How many division two schools have a full field turf? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Not a ton. No. Now, if we could just get in there and use it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Open up the state. Damn it. Yeah. But that's, that's why I say we have, we have this. It's the Kelly family turf building. But the trash can inside is the Murray trash can. <laughs> so, so just, you know, uh, wait a minute. We all have a role. Ownership. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Ownership exactly. there. Love it. <laughs> well, we want to thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Out of the Rut Podcast. Uh, if you're still listening, we can't thank you enough. You're one of the greatest humans on the face of the planet. Again, we want to uh, ask you to like, share, and subscribe on all social platforms at Rakowski Pod. Again, a quick plug for the Patreon account. Uh, If you appreciate what we're doing, any contributions are outstanding. But the most important thing is to continue to like, share, and subscribe on all social platforms. We are going to post a link to Mary Freebed's wheelchair lacrosse team, something that you can go on and check out some information on them. And if you feel compelled as well, contribute to them. Lastly, uh, we want to thank Tim from the Athlete Connection coming on to the show tonight. Uh, If you are in need in the Grand Rapids area and in need of gear or advice or somebody to talk to about sports, uh, go on over and check out the Athlete Connection up on Plainfield and Northland Drive. And we will see you guys on next, next week's episode. Have a great day.